This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me again on Pop Culture Confidential and welcome to my talk with one of the most talented actors and tireless activists that I've ever had the chance to interview, twice. The first time I spoke to Cynthia Nixon was when she played Nancy Reagan in a miniseries a few years back, and now she's starring in the new Netflix series Ratchet. So Cynthia Nixon is a prolific actor, both on stage and screen. She started from a very early age in films like Amadeus and The Pelican Brief. But it was as Miranda that she, together with the other women in Sex and the City, really changed TV forever and cleared the way for shows like Girls, for example. Nixon is a tireless advocate for education, reproductive and LGBTQ rights. She's a cancer survivor and a breast cancer activist. In 2018, she ran for governor of New York on a progressive platform, challenging the two-term incumbent, Democrat Andrew Cuomo. Cynthia Nixon seems tireless. Now, when I got the chance to speak to her again, it's in conjunction with another interesting role, but also in the political arena. Nixon is starring in the new Netflix series Ratchet, playing Gwendolyn Briggs, a campaign manager to the governor who falls for Nurse Ratchet. Yes, that Nurse Ratchet. The new series, produced by the ever-prolific Ryan Murphy, stars Sarah Paulson as Nurse Ratchet, and it tells the origin story of the asylum nurse who we originally know from the Ken Kesey novel and the film adaptation One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And it was for the role of Nurse Ratchet that Louise Fletcher won the Oscar for playing the iconic and frightening character. I got the chance to talk to Nixon about how this telling, the origin story, shows women's power and resolve in a society that didn't grant them any, and how interesting and rewarding it was to play a queer character from that era. What she learned from being on her own campaign trail, and how women are still immensely and unfairly scrutinized. And so much more. So, here's my talk with Cynthia Nixon, but first, a little taste of Ratchet. May I ask why you're headed to Lucia? It seems like a rather personal question. Well, I'm sorry, ma'am. Didn't mean to make you uncomfortable. I didn't say you made me uncomfortable. I said the question was personal. Sorry. You should bathe more often. Your fingernails are filthy. The minute you walked in the joint We had a saying in the Corps, save one life and you're a hero. Save a hundred lives, well then you're a nurse. Do you wanna have fun? How about a few less? You have been subjected to enough pain. I can show you a good time. But you deserve someone to show you mercy. How different I would be if someone had. Thank you so much for Gwendolyn Briggs, such an interesting character. I just want to start off by, by asking when Milos Forman 
this adaptation of One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest came out in the 70s. There was so much discussion. What did Nurse Ratchet represent? I have to quote what people were saying. Is this the fundamental male terror of women who have power? Things like that were discussed. Was she just trying to do her job? I was wondering, with your 2020 eyes, how does Nurse Ratchet in this story speak to our times? I mean, I think that um, when Ryan Murphy approached me about doing this series, he said, I really want to look at this moment in American history when people of color and women were... Um, enlisted in the war effort and they felt such a part of things and they were given all these opportunities and um, and then we all came together the war was won and as soon as that happened women and people of color were told now things are thanks so much now things are going to go back to exactly how Mm -hmm. they were Um, and I think that that is one of the big big themes in Ratchet and in terms of, of, of Nurse Ratchet in the, in the original film, I mean, she is very chilling and it does seem like the, 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 the men in the film view her as the, uh, the tyrannical mother figure almost. Uh, but I think we see a, a different side and I think Ryan Murphy asked the question, how did this, how did this character who is so seemingly cruel and also impassive just it doesn't seem to be bothered by anything and yet is able to act so cruelly um how did she how did she get that way and so i imagining the trauma that she comes from but also imagining um at a time not to say that we aren't still but when women were so kept down what would have happened if instead of allowing men to keep us down if we forged these these alliances and overthrew them one of the things that Louise Fletcher said about playing the part is that that Nurse Ratchet is always convinced she's right, which was the scary part. And it kind of sounds familiar in our discourse today, people yeah. who are convinced they're right. Yes, it's <laughs> true. And I, I do think that that's a reason there's no, from Louise Fletcher's performance, there's no mustache twirling or ha ha ha, I'm so, I'm so right. bad. But I honestly... I think it's the key to playing any character, whether that character is a villain or not, is to believe that you're that you're right and believe that you're inherently good. And I do think that's one of the the best things that art can do for us is to take a character who, if we read about them in the newspaper, we would dismiss them as evil. But when we try and imagine things from their point of view and imagine well, actually, maybe in that situation, I would do what they had done. I think that that's one of the biggest things that that art can do for us. I find that Gwendolyn is very brave. I mean, you were talking about this great time of oppression, and she's in a political position, and she still follows her instinct. She, she feels that she's in love, and she shows it. Why were you attracted to playing her? I mean, we have so little in films from that period we have so we certainly have so few lesbian characters we maybe have a villain here and there like i think of mrs danvers from rebecca for example mm-hmm. and and whatever gay men we have they are they're mostly there as comic relief um so it's really interesting to go back and have a queer filmmaker doing a story about a queer character played by queer actresses um and and try to bring to life um 
what the challenges were at that time because it, it's not like we weren't there. We were there, but we have just been left out of the narrative. I actually had the honor of interviewing you in conjunction with your amazing performance of Nancy Reagan. So I talked to you then. And since then, um, you've run for governor of New York City, and now you're playing Gwendolyn Briggs, who's also a woman interested in politics. I see a sort of theme in your consciousness. Of, of <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? I mean, I've, I've, I've always been interested in politics. Um, you know, my, my parents, particularly my father, was really uh, very political. Um, and uh, certainly the, the, the moment that we're in now, it is, it is hard not to be uh, riveted by, by what is happening, uh, certainly in the United States, but uh, actually all around the world. You've said that running for office is there's some positive things about being an actor when you're doing that. It helps, uh, but I, I can't imagine anything being more scrutinized, even even a Hollywood actress, than than being a politician today. And which is something I'm sure that you see in the character of Gwendolyn as well. How scared she is to reveal herself. Was that difficult for you? Very. I mean, I think politics is particularly hard, but I think trying to be a woman with any kind of power or asking for any kind of power um, is, is a very fine line to walk. I mean, just look at what happened to, to Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that there is a way that an assertion of power reads on a man that we are not at a point where we can uh, see it the same way in a woman. And, and certainly actresses are scrutinized for their looks, but every bit as much are, are, are female politicians and they, and, but unlike being an actress, there is a sense of like a, a female politician looking too dressed up or too <laughs> good, or um, it's, it's, it, it just, you can never win. It's I endless. Mean, yeah. It's endless. I was very interested how much uh, more positively people responded to me on the campaign trail when I was wearing uh, a pantsuit. And I just think we, we Oh, you're kidding. Yes, very, very much so. I mean, it's mm -hmm. really, uh, and, and also, you know, I, I think of that, that quote from Ginger Rogers, which you maybe know that mm -hmm. she said, you know, everybody says that Fred Astaire is the world's greatest act, uh, dancer. Well, everything that Fred did, I did backwards in three inch heels. Yes. <laughs> I think there is a, there is a truth to that, that as, um, male politicians who may be, uh, they're, they're often given a pass if they make a mistake or say something wrong and, and, and female politicians are endlessly scrutinized and pounced right. on. We've seen so many male heavies, so to speak, in TV. We've seen, you know, from everything from Tony Soprano to Walter White, he can um, shoot someone in the head, but he's going to therapy. So we are understanding him. It seems to me it's sort of a time for anti-hero women. We want to also understand women in every level. Um, do you feel that, that this is true? Absolutely. And I think it, it's, it's long overdue that we, we have this, this, uh, now anti-hero man who we can love even though he does terrible things and murders people and you know um we are finally getting to a place where where we can be fascinated by a main female character who isn't adorable i mean i i got a chance to play emily dickinson a few years ago mm. in a film and there were so many great things about playing her but one of the most 
revealing to me was that actually she had big swaths of the film where she just wasn't appealing, do you know? She was maybe bitter or she was uh, petulant or she was depressed or, you know, there were ways in which she was able, I was able to show all the colors of who a person is and it makes me realize how how endlessly we are encouraged as female performers and as women to just be appealing <laughs> that's got to be yes the first, oh. <laughs> the first thing and so it's 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 great to have i mean sarah paulson is so amazing in this project and to have her play a character that's so uh you know deeply flawed would be a way to put it but but yet we 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 grow to love her and by giving her finally giving her backstory it, it allows the audience to empathize with a character who if you look at the uh you know one flew over the cuckoo's nest you would have thought would be unempathizable with did you guys discuss were you worried about sort of the iconic nature of this book and um source material and how people will see the changes that were made or the the choices that were made here i mean i think that you know for all of us, except for Sarah, that was not a burden that we had. I'm sure it was somewhat, you know, intimidating for her because Louise Fletcher's, you know, performance is so etched on our minds. But I think, but what Ryan did was, you know, it's, it's sort of a complimentary story, but it's also a story that would completely stand on its own. So I think that probably gave Sarah permission for her to explore and create a character as she wanted to. Did you go back and study any of the Ken Kesey's book or anything like that? Or did you start completely fresh? No, I started fresh. I mean, he had me look at a few Kim Novak movies. Not that my characterization is, is Kim Novak. Oh, movies, I can see but... that. The whole the whole setting and everything when she's driving in the car. and. Um, but I also, you know, I went back and I read some, uh, some stuff about Lorena Hickok, who was a journalist from, uh, who was... Eleanor Roosevelt's lover and I thought that there were a lot of parallels with this character in terms of uh, you know I, I brought photos of her to the wardrobe department to the designer oh. this is how a, a, a queer woman might have have a professional woman might have have dressed at that time and I thought there was so much to may understand. I ask what, how that was I mean I feel like you know of course it's it's important for Mildred I mean sorry for Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn. to be able to pass in that world, right? For the people that she meets professionally not to catch on to the fact that she's a lesbian, but that there we also see her in, in her downtime in which her clothes have a very different feel, still acceptable, still appropriate for the period, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, many more, uh, the, the suits are much more, are, are much more masculine in feel, you know, Gwendolyn, like Lorena Hickok, you know, she's trying to walk a fine line of not being too in people's faces, particularly people that she meets in her professional life, but also wanting to feel like herself and also wanting to send a signal to any women who might be in, in her orbit that, or they might be interested in her. 
Um, I don't, I see that they're giving me one minute here. Um, I just have to ask you, because you've been so, um, such an inspiration in terms of helping women just sort of realize the pressures that we have on us. But I was reading that after your incredibly grueling campaign, which I can't imagine anything more grueling than that, you lay down on the couch with the blanket and you let yourself have one day, Cynthia. I was like, what? One day? You could well, take it. Right. No, I mean, honestly, it took me months to recover, really, and to, for my body to recover. And same with my wife, who was as very as part of the campaign as I was. But um, I, I guess the, 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 the one day in particular was literally a day in which I didn't get off the couch. And for somebody who has children and for somebody who spends an enormous amount of time, like cooking and cleaning up, it was... Uh, the, the one day really stood out in my mind because I just felt no obligation to even, you know, make myself lunch, which was, uh, which was. I don't know if fortunately, unfortunately, as a mom and where I recognize myself very much. Thank you so much. <laughs> they want me to wrap up. I'm really, I hope I get to speak to you even a third time. Thank Good you. luck with the project. And thank you for representing women and everyone so much. I appreciate thank it. Thank you so much to Cynthia Nixon. Ratchet premieres on Netflix on September 18th. And thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. And get in touch. I'm on Twitter, at Christina Biro or at Pod Pop Culture. Thanks so much and see you next time. Science! 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 Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist Podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes! Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.